Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Another great podcast of Sing Second Sports. I'm your host, John Schofield. Joining me is special guest from the Capital Gazette newspaper, Bill Wagner, and our producer is Chris Cervello. Uh, as part of our very special delivery to you this week, the twofer of podcasts, we covered men's basketball on Wednesday, and here we are giving you the women's basketball lowdown. It has been a tough road, but we're going to talk about that road with Tim Taylor and with senior captain Sierra Hurtlendy. Um, so first things first, we are coming off of last night's performance, and let's just start calling them the midweek performances uh, at Alumni Hall. The men's basketball team given another opportunity to put that all-important white space between them and the rest of the Patriot League uh, to, to battle it out, to host the Patriot League tournament, to go to the NCAA tournament, they took another step backwards last night in the form of another head-scratching loss. Not as bad as the 19-point midweek home loss to Colgate, but this one an eight-point loss to a Lehigh team that was good, but I wouldn't call them beat us by eight points at home good. Um, I'll let Wags get into more of the details, but Lehigh came in and really dominated from middle of the first half to the end of the game. Navy could never really chip away. John Carter had a very, very, very tough night shooting three of 14 from the field. A lot of defensive struggles, no turnovers, but just a really, really tough game for him. And across the board, uh, other than Daniel Deaver, you know, with another like seamanship and navigation pickup game performance, old man basketball uh, with 10 points and seven rebounds and a lot of hustle plays. It was just a tough day for everyone, right, Wags? Yeah, John, a disappointing performance for Navy, really. Um, you know, Coach DeCellis is concerned about these midweek games. He talked about it on the podcast we taped earlier this week. Um, he, it's about routine. Basketball coaches like routine. They're On game days, they want to shoot around. They want a chalk session, a little pregame meal, some relaxation. I mean, they're creatures of habit, and uh, I would posit that every Patriot League team, except Army West Point, uh, I doubt players do too much after about noon on a, on a game day. So, you know, Navy's now four and four at home, fellas, and one of those is the victory over Washington College, which is Division Three. I mean, let's discount that. So, really, they're they're three and four at home, and they're eight and two away from home. And I asked coach to tell us about that. And he said, guys are eating properly. They're getting a shoot around. They don't have stress. So it's really telling that you're better on the road. I mean, it's a better situation preparation wise to drive, go all the way up to Boston university and play a game than it is to just play at alumni hall. But again, 
Uh, and I don't know how, why this is, but Navy classes, the Academy classes are now not releasing till 3.30 in the afternoon. Apparently, it used to be an hour earlier, 2.30. So by the time the basketball players are getting over to Alumni Hall, it's after 4 o'clock, and they just do not have their normal pregame routine, and that's bothering Ed. He told me last night after the game that he's going to have to possibly consider having the players get together at lunchtime, which they don't want to do. They like lunch to take a nap or at least have some relaxed time because they're up so early in the morning and they're off busy is with classes. So they don't like to have to do basketball things at lunch, but coach to is saying that they may have to start using the lunch hour as basketball time because they're not getting done what they need to do on game days otherwise. So that's some <laughs> of this. I'm uh, I, I know this is an audio medium wags and I hate to interrupt you, but I can't help but notice Chris Cervello's eye roll uh, during the uh, record here, it, it does remind me a little bit about carrier life. Like, hey, uh, the aviators need 10 hours in the bag while you guys are standing port and starboard watches. Chris, like, it, I, I don't know. Where's, where's the line here? I, so first of all, I want to be uh, conscious of the fact that Matt Nasita is on the line. Um, and, and I want to be respectful to uh, current athletes, Matt, who's going to join us in a, in, a later, um, in a later segment. My eye roll is not uh, about the athletes because, I mean, they have it tough, um, no, no doubt. My eye roll is, is that, like, this isn't new. So I'm trying to figure out, um, I, I guess, playing the role of cranky graduate uh, and cranky retired guys since Ward isn't here. I, I don't know um, why this would be a big deal. Um, and, and maybe that hour change of classes is that, um, you know, it, it is that routine breaking for, for them. But I would think at this point, given the midshipman acumen and given the coaching acumen, they would be able to figure it out. So that that's where the eye roll and the, and the you know, black lab like head tilt comes. Um, look, I mean, these guys and gals. Uh, they work their asses off uh, to be able to do their midshipmen and stuff, their academic stuff, and then play sports at a high level. I, I just think they've got to figure it out because mid-game weeks or mid-week games are not going away. Yeah, so WAGs continue a little bit because, you know, whether I have like a navigation class or double E or dirt, you know, fourth or fifth period, I don't know if there's a direct correlation between me having that class and us going – Eight for 18. I'm going to say that one more time. Eight for 18 from the line. That was really, for me, the head scratcher. Like the assist to turnover ratio was just fine yesterday. Ten assists to six turnovers. I would take that and win a game. This game was directly lost by the eight for 18 from the line. A lot of those were front ends. And it was indicative of just how disconnected they seemed all game long, right? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, what Chris said is absolutely true. Midweek home games are not going away, and that's exactly what Coach DeCellis said last night. He's got to figure it out. He's got to solve this problem. But the fact remains, the last two home games, they've, there's just not been proper energy. Navy looks lethargic, lackluster on both ends of the floor. They're, they're not bringing the type of energy that we normally see out of this team, and that's where the issue starts. They're, they just were out of sync offensively, couldn't get anything together. I said it during our in-game 
uh, hits on social media that too much dribbling, too much one-on-one play on the offensive end. That's exactly what Coach Tuchella cited after the game. We stood around and watched people dribble the ball and try to go one-on-one. Defensively, they could not string together any defensive stops. And that's Navy's hallmark is on the defensive end. And, John, here's the real head-scratcher from last night. You you did say, yeah, 8 for 18 on the, from the line. You're giving away points. Meanwhile, Lee is making 20 free throws. That's a 12-point difference at the charity stripe, and that's the difference in the game. But Navy had 16 offensive rebounds last night and managed to convert those into only five second-chance points. It's only almost mathematically impossible to pull down 16 offensive rebounds and wind up with only five second-chance points. So there's a lot of issues, but here's the bottom line, John. Army comes to Alumni Hall at 1.30 p.m. on Sunday, Saturday afternoon. There is a four-way tie atop the Patriot League, Navy, Army West Point, Loyola, Maryland, and now Lehigh. All are five and two. There's a log jam. Navy has to win Saturday against Army West Point for multiple reasons. And um, I'm going to throw it back to you. We can uh, wrap up men's basketball a little more at the end of the pod, but let's uh, get to our interviews. Yeah, let's definitely do that. Um, You talked about the energy. This will be the last thing I say, and this applies to men's and women's, and we'll break down the women's game at Lehigh a little bit later as we make this the women's basketball special leading up to the Army games on Saturday. But come on, mids and fans, get in the stands. Please attend these games. Um, Chris Cervello and I were talking about before we went on air, you know, I know that it was the era of Mike Erie and must-see TV and everyone wanted to get into Alumni Hall and see a very successful basketball team that was going to the NCAAs. But this team needs mids in the stands. I am talking to you, Colonel McDonough. I'm talking to the soup. I'm talking to everyone. Get mids and fans in the stands so that we can have a louder environment. So without any further ado, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we've got a special guest in the form of recently drafted number seven by the New York Red Bulls, Matt Nosita. So stick with us. We'll be right back. The Sing Second Sports Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar in Annapolis. Whether it's the burger of the day in an old-fashioned or a Cabernet and their Cuban sandwich, which is my favorite, be sure to check out both locations when you come to town to catch a basketball game or lacrosse game here this winter and fall. That's Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar on Main Street in Annapolis. Now back to the pod. All right, we are back. Welcome to our athlete segment. And what a nice segment this is going to be in that we get to talk to Navy center back Matt Nosita, who just got drafted into the MLS, number seven overall. Matt, number one, thank you for joining us. Um, I, I know that you know, we're right in the middle of the, uh, of the second semester of your senior year. Uh, the dark ages are upon us. You're off-season you know, rainy, you know, scenario and play today. So number one, thanks for joining us. Number two, are classes canceled today? Is it like Anne Arundel County schools? Are they canceling because of the rain? No, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, see, take note of the Naval Academy and Arundel County schools. So Matt, let's, let's get around the fact that if I remember correctly from the last podcast, 
you're a Chelsea fan. So that's really terribly unfortunate and the sign of a deeper character flaw. But walk me through how awesome it felt to have your name called the MLS, which by all, and I've been a lifelong soccer fan, came up as a little bit of a joke in American sports lore. It's now 28 really good franchises deep. You've got fantastic signings. You've got Beckham owning a team down in Miami. Here we have Alexandra Pato coming in and signing a one-year deal with Orlando. And I think you're going to have more and more stars, not just come to the MLS at the end of their career, but to make a career. Is this something that you see yourself doing, making a career in the MLS? Yeah, no, like you said, the MLS is definitely, you know, when I was growing up, I, I went to, I'm from Los Angeles, so I actually grew up watching David Beckham play for Galaxy. And I always thought that was the coolest thing. But back then, you know, it definitely still had that, uh, you know, that retirement league kind of aura around it. But uh, like you said, that, I mean, that's that's changing rapidly. Like you look at uh, Lorenzo signing for Toronto and I mean, he's 30 years old coming off a European championship. I mean, that says a lot to the caliber of the league and, and the direction it's headed. So, yeah, I'm excited to, uh, you know, get in there and have this opportunity and, you know, see if I can't, you know, play for as many years as possible. But this league offers you a ton of opportunities now, and it's it's definitely something to uh, to keep in mind. Since you got drafted, have you heard from Joe Greenspan or anyone else in the soccer brotherhood about, you know, what, what it's like, what you should do, you know, giving you advice? What What's it been like to have this very invaluable network around you? Yeah, Joe is someone that I actually talked to a couple years ago. Uh, he actually came and spoke to the team a little bit, but I haven't gotten in contact with him post getting drafted, but definitely something that I should do. You know, he obviously has a lot of firsthand experience with this kind of thing. And uh, any of that information I could take going into uh, my first training camp with them would be more than useful. So I'm going to let Chris, who is the uh, father of a hopefully soon to be center back for Navy soccer, uh, although on uh, the Karen Gabera female side, uh, ask you a question. But, you know, from, from my standpoint, and we'll get into it a little bit more toward the end, but I, I just have to congratulate you. It makes the Naval Academy look so good. It's so great for the program and it's great for you personally. So as a fanboy moment, I just, I have to say awesome job. Thank you. Really appreciate it. So Matt, I'll carry that fanboy moment forward. Um, earlier in the season, we had a chance on our other podcast to interview Roger Staubach. Um, my kids this morning were more excited that I was talking to Matt Nasita than they were that I was talking to Roger Staubach. So that gives you a sense of uh, how big a deal Navy soccer is in our house and how big a deal you are as a center back to uh, my, uh, my young center back who has a division game uh, tonight. So uh, congratulations from the Cervello household. Have you, um, have you thought about the process that you're going to go through? I mean, we know that it's a, an admin intensive process and asking the secretary of the Navy and, um, you, you know, going through those hoops. I won't ask you to like talk about that process because I know it's ongoing, but have you, have you thought about how you can continue to give back to the Naval Academy, the broader Naval community? I mean, you, not just in the Cervello household, but you're going to be in many households um, somebody that people look up to literally and figuratively um, as a uh, as a member of the MLS and as a graduate of the Naval Academy. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Should I get the opportunity to play? Like, you know, as you said, pending everything, getting approved. Uh, I definitely, you know, want to be a huge advocate for the school while I'm playing because, you know, if it wasn't for like the opportunities presented to me here and, you know, this coaching staff on the team and uh, just a lot of the life lessons I was able to learn, you know, being a midshipman for four years here. 
I mean, I would not be in this position at all. But then at the same time, like this is definitely not me turning like my back to my service commitment. Like I have every intention of, you know, I got selected from ring ground and I have every intention of fulfilling that service in some capacity at some point in time for sure. So definitely something I'm equally as excited for and something I want to make sure people don't think I'm turning a blind eye to. Before I throw it to Wags, I just one last comment. We're very lucky. You're very lucky. And we, the broader naval community, are lucky that we have a, um, a graduate and a retired naval officer as the Secretary of the Navy, um, who I think better than most in, in the past understand um, the significance of having um, a graduate uh, playing at the highest level in professional sports and what that offers uh, the broader naval community. So um, I, I feel very good for you and I feel very good for the Naval Academy that Carlos Del Toro, uh, our Secretary of the Navy, is the one that's going to make that decision. So uh, best of luck from uh, from the folks here uh, on the podcast. Wags, over to you. Matt, good to see you. Uh, we had a good conversation when you got drafted and it was absolutely spectacular news. Um, I'll have to admit, I mean, I know you're good. You're a three-time Patriot League Defender of the Year, but I also know that the Patriot League does not rank at the top echelon of Division I men's soccer. Um, you know, we think the University of Maryland here nearby, which is a multi-time national champion and has always got guys getting drafted. They had the number one overall pick. Um, actually, a local kid here from the Baltimore area. Um, but... I mean, when did you realize that you were in the range of first round draft pick? I mean, I'm not, I was not surprised you get drafted by MLSL, MLS, but because we know how good you are. But when did you realize you were up in the upper echelon to be like a number seven overall selection? Yeah, I think the, uh, I think the big turning point definitely was getting invited to the combine or the showcase rather, uh, you know, they selected 44 of us. And I think that was a good indicator that I had a pretty solid chance uh, to go high enough in the draft. Uh, seven definitely was, I don't want to say a shock, but it was definitely like, I, w- I was excited to hear that. That was, that was really awesome. Cause no matter how good you think you're going to do, you never want to think you're going to go top 10. Cause you leave a lot of room for disappointment, you know, you know come draft day. But uh, yeah, I mean, I-, I had an idea. I was optimistic going in, but uh, really just was amazing seeing New York trade up for me and get me at number seven. That was was an awesome experience. So you mentioned that showcase event that you were invited to, and it was down in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, I believe, the University of North Carolina facility. Yep. So did you, you obviously, I mean, tell us about what happened there. I mean, are you getting a chance to, you know, do they have little scrimmage situation games where you had an opportunity to show that you could, shut down top offensive players from around the country and b- prove that you're, you know, cause that's probably the question MLS GMs had, you know, Patriot league. We don't know how Nasita would play uh, perform if he played against these higher level players on a regular basis. Yeah, no, like you said, I mean, uh, I was probably one of the few that were not from, you know, the ACC or, you know, some of these other big conferences, uh, a lot of kids from, you know, the West coast, the PAC 12 teams, uh, so I was definitely the outlier in that sense, but you know, yeah, like you said, we did, we did like some small sided scrimmages. Then we did some full field 11 v 11s and yeah, it gave me the opportunity to really show that I'm, I'm capable to play at, you know, just about any level. And it was an amazing opportunity for me to, you know, get in front of all 28 clubs, you know, they had, every single club had staff there. So it was just a uh, really an awesome opportunity just on the field. And then outside of the field, getting time to interview with some of the teams that were interested in me ahead of the draft. 
and uh, you know, just some of the media day stuff we did. So it was really just an all involved, you know, three days out there. And uh, I think that was like a huge catalyst to my success in the draft. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned the interviews because when I talked to coach Tim O'Donoghue about you being drafted so high, that was one of the things that he mentioned is that all of the MLS management personnel that he spoke to just raved about your character, your leadership. I mean, you came across extremely well in interviews, as we would expect of a Naval Academy midshipman. You mentioned to me that the Red Bulls, you'd had contact with them. You'd gone to a kind of a one of their, or their own personal tryout sessions. You feel comfortable with the Red Bulls. You're kind of, I, I get the sense you're very pleased to be with that franchise. Can you talk to us a little bit about why that is? What why you feel so comfortable with the New York Red Bulls? Yeah, they have a they have a great reputation for player development. I think that's going to be huge. Anyone coming in from college to you know making that jump to the pro game, you're going to need some time to develop. And uh, they made it clear to me that they you know they had a pretty solid plan set. Uh, they showed me a ton of respect you know throughout the entire process when I went there and and did their individual combine. So I think it's a place that you know that they're setting me up to succeed, and I think they have a vision for me. And uh, you know, with all of those you know, sort of culminating together. It, it was the perfect spot for me to land. So definitely excited to get down there and get to work. But uh, yeah, I couldn't be more pleased with the selection. Well, it's awesome looking at the uh, New York Red Bulls roster on ESPN.com and seeing your name uh, there already, Matt. It's it's pretty cool. Um, I've got a name for people to kind of use as a reference as we follow Matt through this process. And whatever that process is, if it's in a Marine Corps officer uniform, if it's in a New York Red Bulls uniform, if it's in any red, in any uniform, uh, I know that everyone's rooting for you and you're, you're going to do the right thing uh, for your career and to, to honor the commitment that you signed up for. But keep the name, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Ream in mind. Now, Tim Ream has a bunch of caps for the U.S. national team, but plays center back, came into MLS with the New York Red Bulls and eventually got the call up to the Premier League, played with Bolton before they got relegated, played with Fulham, uh, who is currently relegated, and he's currently on a Fulham team that's battling for a promotion back to the, uh, back to the Premier League uh, from the championship. I assume that you've got players like Tim Ream in mind, Matt, uh, when you're looking at your career, but is it out of the scope of possibilities to see you like playing in the Barclays Premier League one day? I mean, to talk about it, that'd be an absolute dream come true. I mean, for especially for any kid in America, you know, I think a lot of kids here look to Europe, especially England, you know, as that league that we like to watch the most just growing up. Uh, such a competitive, you know, really awesome league. So if I if I got that opportunity, you know, that, that would be fantastic. I look at people like Daryl DK, who, you know, made the move over to England, albeit, you know, the championship. But talk about like a perfect stepping stone to maybe making a jump to the Premier League. And it shows that, you know, there are, a lot of windows of opportunity coming from the MLS. Uh, Happy Ricardo making the jump to to Germany. You know, there's there's definitely opportunities to pursue something in Europe. So, if, a, if an opportunity like that presented itself, it'd, it'd be tough to turn down. Well, Matt, we we wish you the best of luck as you navigate the dark ages and as you uh, get more granularity on on what your future looks like and whatever it is. Uh, I know that I'm already looking for that New York Red Bulls Matt Nasita jersey. Uh, we will be wearing it with pride. Uh, so we're going to go to break. This is Six Second Sports. A special thank you to our fall and winter sponsors, Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar in Annapolis. 
and Academy Consulting. Thank you for your support. It's through their generosity that we're able to bring you Sing Second Sports each and every week. If you're interested in being a sponsor, drop us a DM. We'd love to hear from you. Now back to the pod. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. So now we have broken down the men's basketball outcome against Lehigh. The women's team had a similar tough time. They had to go up to Bethlehem and dropped one 99 to 65. Other than Jen Coleman uh, really chasing what would would have been a very impressive triple-double, everyone struggled on a tough little roadie up there in the middle of the week. We know how Ed DeCellis feels about uh, the midweek games. We're going to hear from Tim Taylor on that right now. So number one, Coach Taylor, thank you so much for joining us. We know that you probably got back super late last night, and here you are talking about it with us this morning. So thank you for that. Number two, Walk us through last night and how you evaluate the season so far. Well, I think last night we ran into a buzzsaw. I think Lehigh played extremely well. Uh, they're preseason number one for a reason. They're really they're a difficult matchup for us when you're coming in. Um, just because they spread the floor, they shoot the three at all five spots. And when, when they're shooting like that, they're really hard to beat. You know, I think that right now, arguably, Boston and Lehigh are the two best teams in the league. And, and we, I think we got their best shot last night. I think defensively, we had a lot of breakdowns, um, was not pleased defensively. But quite honestly, offensively, we got a lot of looks, guys. I mean, it's just, you know, we put up 65 points. I thought we were, we were nip and tuck with them all the way until like the five-minute mark of the third quarter. It was like a 12 or 13-point game, and then they just really got hot, and we didn't sustain it from that point on. You know, secondly, talking about the season, I think it's been an up and down. I think I've talked to Wags about it a little bit, too. I think it's – you know, we've got a lot of young kids that haven't had a lot of minutes, you know, and, and trying to find the consistency has been has been the issue. You know, we've had, you know, certain kids step up in certain games but not show up in other games. So trying to find that consistency has been the biggest problem for us. I think, you know, bright spots definitely been Jen Coleman. Uh, Sydney Watts has been playing really, really well here of late. Um, you know, she's kind of taking on that secondary score role. Um and so I think just being able to be consistent on a night-to-night basis. And we're running with a short rotation right now. You know, Monty Edmonds has been out, so we're – it's really tough as far as practice. But, you know, those are all excuses. We just got to keep getting better. <laughs> yeah, so Wags will get into some X's and O's right after I ask you this. The men's team is having a similar tough time. They're 4-4 four and four at home. You guys are 2-8 and eight at home. You know, I just put out a call as we were doing the men's basketball segment to get people into Alumni Hall to add some energy to this. But what do you yeah. make of the struggles at home, you know, with a very impressive three and a f- three and four away record? I know you don't want a losing record away from home, but when your away record is better than your home record, that's got to be a data point for you. Yeah, I think we've been trying to look at how we prepared. I think we, we changed up how we prepared before the BU game. Uh, just we kind of structured it a little more, you know, and said, hey, that this time, this time, this time. And I felt like it helped us. So we'll see how that helps with Army because I thought we played pretty well against BU. As you said, I mean, even on the road, we're three and four. And honestly, we played the top three teams in the league on the road, you know, and I think that's, you know, and our schedule has been a little tougher because we played all the top teams early on our first 12 games. I mean, we haven't even seen the bottom half of the league, you know, so I think some of that, you know, you're playing better teams, but we haven't played well. Like, our starts have not been good at alumni. If, if you go back and watch us, I mean, we're down 6-0, 7-0. Other than the BU game, that, that's been a struggle, and maybe the Mason game. So, 
really, I'm trying to get some pixie dust. I'm going to get on top of alumni hall, maybe change it for all of us. Um, you know, I think that's, it's strange. You, you don't under, you know, we, we're just trying to figure out any way we can to play better there. Yeah. I, you know, I don't I, know if that's, I don't know if they're going to class all day and those are the things and where you go on the road, you're not in class all day. Who knows? But once again, like those excuses, you got to play better. Yeah. It, it's funny that you and coach Tuchelis are kind of bringing up the same points. Wags, go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, coach Tuchelis pretty much said, talked exactly the same way you did. Um, but I just think it's the demands of the Naval Academy and you're right. When you're on the road, they get, they get out of class, they go on a bus and they're basically able to free their minds and focus on basketball for a longer period of time. And Coach Tuchella said with the classes uh, getting out later than normal and now at 3.30, and he's just got guys whose minds are not there and he doesn't have his normal routine. But as you said, Coach Tuchella, the first thing he said in his post-game press conference when I brought up, you know, midweek games, he said, look, it's not an excuse. We don't make excuses. We got to figure it out and we got to be better. So I think that's where you are. And on that front, I noticed last night again, and this is what we talked about last week, no third score. Jen goes right. crazy, as she always does. Sydney has a good game. gives you double figures. And then nobody else really beyond five points. I mean, that's where you need a third reliable score. You've had it on occasion. Mimi Schrader has popped her head up, scored in double digits. Uh, Lindsay Llewellyn has done the same. How do you, and I know if you could – answer this question you'd fix it but (laughs) how do you get a third reliable score because i think at this point you know what you're going to get out of jen and sydney right well bill i mean i think that's the magic question i mean i think the biggest thing for me is you know we got to continue to instill confidence in the kids we got to continue to work with them we got to continue to coach them and and try to put them in spots where they can be successful i feel like we're doing that guys I feel like we're getting a lot of open shots. I think if you watch our games, you know, we, we have open shots. You know, we've had a couple of games where we've had, you know, some bad turnovers. We haven't looked really, really in sync at times. But for the most part, we've been keeping our turnovers down. It just comes down to kids making shots and trying to get them in the gym and put in the work. You know, Jen's been putting in a tremendous amount of work, and we, we see the results of it. Um, you know, once again, you got demands of the Naval Academy. But still, you can't make excuses for that. If you want to be really good, you got to get in the gym and work, you know? Hey, Ed, uh, I mean, uh, Tim, what are you uh, seeing out of your young freshmen? And I know they're not getting a ton of time, but kind of talk to me about the freshmen's development. And do you think those two plebes will help you down the road? Well, it's funny you said that because I think Savannah, I think Savannah Lewis, I said this to Jimmy on the bus ride last night. I think Savannah has some, some big upside because she has instincts that you can't teach. She, she has a motor. She plays really hard. She just, yeah, I think she came from a high school league that wasn't very competitive. So in that situation, this is the first time she's really faced competitive basketball, but she's long, she's athletic. She pursues the ball. It's just one of those things. She doesn't know what she doesn't know right now. And it's going to be a process. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much she'll help toward the end of this year, but we're going to continue to coach her. But I think her future, down the road could help us. I think the offseason is going to be really, really important for her. And along those same lines, obviously your personnel is not where you want it to be. <laughs> um, you, you know, you, you got to get better players into the program. That's every coach's job. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel you and your staff are doing on the recruiting front? I know you can't 
talk of specific names, but in general, I mean, you've had time now to really get here. I mean, I, last year recruiting was you know limited for you because you're right. new, you're trying to get settled in, you're trying to figure out you know who Navy had on its list to go recruit. Now you've had a chance to really develop your own strategy and really start hitting the road on that front. Kind of tell me uh, where you feel recruiting is. Well, I, I think it's really good. And I think the uh, recruiting pundits would say that we have the top recruiting class um, in the, um, in the Patriot league, according to collegiate girls report, you know, we're top 100, right in the top 100 um, recruiting classes inside of all-star girls reports. So I think the people feel like we've recruited. Well, I think we have to, I think the main thing when I came here, we wanted some size. We've got a really good kid out of Richmond who's going to be 6'4". She's averaging about 25 a game right now. We've got two 6'3 kids coming in um, that have played really, really high-level basketball. One's coming out of New Jersey. One's coming out of a really good program in, in Chicago. Uh, we've got a 6'1 and a half, 6'2 point guard coming in. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited about her. I'm really, really excited about her. She can push the ball. We've got a six-foot shooter coming in, another 6'1", uh, swing player, 3'4". We've got one kid who just hit 12 threes and three-quarters in a game. Um, so we, we've added some pieces, Bill. I think we've done what we needed to do. We've got seven kids coming in. We've added, you know, arguably a lot of size uh, coming in. We've got a, a point guard. The only thing in this class I'd say we don't have is that alpha dog score like a Jen Coleman. But we have some really, really good basketball players. Uh, our 23 class, I think we've got another potential Jen Coleman coming who's committed to us. Um, you know, now, granted, she's still got to perform. She's performed really well. She's top 100 kid coming out. So the recruiting has been really, really good. Uh, you know, we had the opportunity um, to actually get out and see. And this will be really our first recruiting class that we, we brought in. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. So there's going to be some ups and downs next year because there's going to be a lot of freshmen playing, you know, so – well, so on that front, I mean, you just talked about adding a lot of size and length. Um, I'm going to guess that maybe you're not playing the style of basketball you, Tim Taylor, want to play just yet because you don't have the personnel. Is that? Do you sense that in a couple years with the players you're bringing in, you'll maybe be able to transition into the type of style of basketball that you would like to play? Oh, absolutely. I think the last two years have just been trying, you know, we've told recruits that don't watch us right now because that's not the type of basketball we're going to be playing, you know, once we get everybody in. But, uh, you know, the big thing is you want to give, we want to give our kids the best opportunity to be able to, to win games right now. And, you know, we're having to run a system that we really haven't run before and, but it does give them an opportunity, you know, so, and then like we're, we're getting there. You know, coming from, we want to be able to compete against the power fives. And you got to be able to have size to be able to do that. So that's what we've been trying to do. So coach, before we go out, you know, walk us through what you expect against army on Saturday. You know, here we have the double header that we circle on the calendar at the beginning of each basketball season for the men and the women. Uh, this is not the star game. You've got to do that up at army. Uh, but still you want to beat army at home and you've got to be a little bit informed uh, by how well the fall sports did in star games uh, as you get into these meaningful games against Army in the winter and in the spring. So I know Hunter, Fallon, um, Murray is pretty good for Army. Who are you going to have to key on and what's going to be the magic elixir that gets us singing second on Saturday? I think the magic elixir is keeping these guys off the boards. I mean, they had 20 offensive rebounds. That's 
you know, they're not a great matchup for us as far as their physical size because they're big across the boards and they, they rebound the heck out of the ball. I think being able to rebound it is going to be the big key for us. If we can rebound the basketball and offensively, I think we can, you know, if we can pass the basketball, I think we'll get some open shots. Um, but they're really good uh, at getting the ball inside, pounding and, and rebound. I think we've really got to focus on that. And I'm sure their coaches are saying the same thing. we got to pound Navy inside. So I think being able to to mitigate that in some ways and then keep, you know, you got to keep Fallon's a really good player and then keep Kate Murray from, you know, getting hot too. I think those are the big keys. And then offensively, really being able to make Army guard us. You know, not a lot of one shot and duns. I hear you I'm there. Sorry. So before I let you go, I know that a lot of mids are going to want to come out um, on Saturday because it's Army, but I keep saying that that mids and fans need to come out and put their eyeballs on Jen Coleman because it's not often that you have an athlete like this. Uh, so I'm just going to ask you before we go out to brag on her a little bit, if you look at stats, Caitlin Clark is leading the NCAA in points per game at 25.6. She is basically, I mean, not just because I follow Big Ten basketball, she is the talk of women's basketball in, ter in terms of athletes. Jen Coleman is just right behind her in scoring average with 23.5. Jen Coleman is fifth in the country in scoring and 22nd in the country in rebounding. Just how special of an athlete is this? Well, I think the thing about what she's a really, really special kid. She's really competitive. She tracks the ball really well. Um, you know, I, I keep telling people what you're seeing is all the work she put in in April, you know, and through the summer. Like all of this is, this just didn't happen overnight. This is a lot of hard work. And, you know, I tell people I'm just as proud of her in the classroom. She's she's well over a three oh uh, this semester. You know, she's she's doing some incredible things at, at the academy and she's just growing as a leader. Um, you know, as Dechella said, our one knock on it. Look, got to guard somebody. Now I'm just messing with her. <laughs> tell us, tell us, Coleman, who you guarding? Who you guarding? He always tells her every day. But that's because we like to joke with her. But no, she's really special. And I think, you know, hopefully we're getting some scouts taking a look at her. Uh, you know, I think there's an opportunity there because she, as, as she's increased her three point, um, range and ability to get that off and she, it's really turned into a high level score. Uh, I enjoy coaching. I enjoy, uh, being a part of her journey. She is a joy to watch. And I encourage everyone to come out on Saturday, 11 AM at alumni hall for the beginning of the doubleheader against army. Uh, watch Jen coach Taylor and the ladies take it to army and hopefully sing second coach. Again, thank you for making time on the morning after a game on a tough road trip up to Lehigh, and we look forward to uh, checking in with you again throughout the season. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Coach Tim Taylor. We are going to go to break, and when we come back, we are going to be talking with Sierra Hurtalendi. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Navy fans, as we said, it is basketball week on the pod. And that's because the Army-Navy rivalry is renewed this weekend on the hardwood when the midshipmen host the Black Knights in a basketball doubleheader this Saturday, January 22nd at Alumni Hall in Annapolis. The women tip off at 11 a.m. with the men following at 1.30 both contests will feature a halftime performance by the nationally acclaimed Firecrackers Jump Rope Team. Tickets are 20 bucks and available now at NavySports.com. That's Army-Navy basketball and all the excitement that goes with it this Saturday, January 22nd at the Naval Academy. Get your tickets today at NavySports.com. 
And if you're going to Army-Navy basketball or any basketball game, make sure that you have the latest Under Armour sideline apparel and replica jerseys by clicking on the shop tab at NavySports.com. All of your favorite Navy hoodies, polos, and t-shirts are just one click away. So go to NavySports.com backslash tickets, get those Army-Navy tickets, and then go to the online store and get the latest swag. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. So happy to be joined by Sierra Hurtalendi, the captain of the women's basketball team uh, from Inwood, West Virginia. She is a senior and leading this team through a very difficult early part of the season. But as Tim Taylor talked to us about, they're not really playing their brand of basketball yet. And we really do think that uh, once they get into some good rotations and some chemistry that they're going to do well. Sierra, number one, walk me through what it's like to be the captain of this team. This is an honor, not just the three stripes, but being able to lead your peers uh, athletically um, as well as in the hall. What's that like? And walk us through what the season's been like so far. Yeah, so it's definitely an honor. Um to have been voted team captain, you know, four or five years ago when I was at NAPS, I never would have, you know, guessed that I would have been in this position, but I'm so thankful. And, um, you know, I just love showing up and working with these ladies every day. Um, I love uh, developing, you know, stronger relationships with them and seeing which approaches work better with different people, you know, when it comes to, I don't know, helping them out on and off the court. Um, And, you know, the, like you mentioned, you know, the start of the season has been rough and I, I agree with coach Taylor, you know, it, we just aren't playing our, our basketball right now. We've had ups and downs um, and we've, we've definitely shown glimpses of, you know, what we can do and how good we can be. Um, but I think once we get that consistency, like every game by the time March comes, we're going to be playing some really good basketball. You've played a lot of games in alumni hall in your career. Um, what, can you say, or how do you explain the two and eight record in alumni hall this year? You know, you've had a pretty good road record. We talked to coach Taylor about it, but two and eight at home where it should really be a safe place. How, how do how do you explain that with so many games in alumni hall under your belt as a senior? Yeah. Um, it's definitely, you know, kind of disappointing, you know, that's our home court. We're supposed to protect our home court. And, you know, when we got teams coming in here and beating us, it's, it's not fun. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with just the way we prep before games. And, you know, we've started like changing it up a bit and we've seen, um, you know, better results. Uh, we're still not there where we're like getting wins yet in alumni hall, but we're seeing better results. And I think if we, you know, continue with the way we prep, um, we should hopefully get our win Saturday against army. So that's, that would be nice. We're looking forward to you singing second. Uh, before Wags takes it, what did you service select? Uh, surface Warfare. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Finally, someone of, of character and substance here. So when is ship selection night? And have you heard anything about whether it's going to be like in years past where it's like the NFL draft, you grab your placard, you're on the TV? Yeah, so it's uh, February 3rd. So, you know, two weeks from today, actually. Um, yes. And as far as I know, it should be normal as far as how they conduct it. I don't know about, you know, people watching, you know, being there in person, but, um, you know, I submitted my slide and everything already. So it's ready to show up on the screen for when I walk up there and pick my ship. 
<laughs> well, hopefully we can cover that on February 3rd. And remember, Amphib Life for a first tour divo is the life. <laughs> See, there you go. Thumbs up. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Wags, take it from here before I get in trouble with like loose haul. <laughs> Uh, good to see you, Sierra. What um, you had mentioned, you've had your moments. One of them was going to Bucknell on the road, beating a team that's at the top of the Patriot League standings. They're up there, you know, fighting for first place. Um, how do you replicate that? You did, you played great basketball and beat Bucknell on its home floor. How do you replicate those type of performances moving forward? Um, I think it's just honestly, um, you know, reminding everyone what that felt like. You know, we were, I mean, you watch the film at the end of the game, and you see how all excited we all were, like hugging each other, and we were so hype. And I think just like reminding them that we can do that every game. Like it like if we show up and we play, we prep, we prepped really well for Bucknell. And um, if we show up, prep well for Army in the days leading up, like it doesn't start, you know, the morning of Army. It starts days in advance. So being able to come in focused and ready. And um, just knowing like what we can do, you know, and I think that's just like stressing that we are better, you know, than our record shows and what, you know, some games that we have played. So we have talked on this pod many times already this season and just got done talking to Coach Taylor about Jen Coleman and how amazing she's been. I mean, I, I cannot believe the consistency. I think she scored fewer than 20 points one time this season. Um, it's just hard to do that. Uh, do you sometimes, you know, as you're out on the court, realize you're this is one of the best players in all of women's college basketball, doing amazing things, threatening triple doubles every darn game, uh, averaging double doubles. I mean, Jen Coleman's pretty spectacular. I don't know as a player and teammate if you know, do you pinch yourself sometimes and go, wow, this girl's getting off. Um, yeah, you know, Jen is by far the most talented player, you know, that I've had at any part of, like any team I've ever been a part of. Um, and she just, you know, it's, you, it's hard to miss, you know, what she's doing on the court. You know, you realize how great of a player she is. Um, but like also at the same time, like it's like that's Jen Coleman. That's my she's been my friend for the past, you know, four or five years. And. You know, uh, we definitely give her credit where credit's due. I mean, she's just so basketball IQ is like through the roof and she just she's got so much talent. She works so hard for it, too. Like it wasn't just given to her. Like she's put so much um, time, like starting from the off season till now. And, you know, so she deserves like every ounce of, you know, praise that she's getting. Yeah, she definitely lives up to that nickname of Jay Money. Um, so obviously, you know, Jay Money's scoring 25, 26, even 32 a game. Um, you know, now you're getting better production out of Sydney Watts. She has been in double figures fairly regularly. What we talked to Coach Taylor about is a third scorer, the need for a third scorer. Various people have popped up and scored double digits. You have been among them, but not often enough, and too often with a, a scoreline similar to last night at Lehigh, where Jen, Jen's got 26, Sydney's got 15, and nobody else is above five. What? How do you all get to the point where someone else or multiple others are producing more points? I think it just comes with, you know, developing the confidence and always being shot ready. Um, and I think I think a lot of times with the, uh, with us, we 
we look to Jen too much, um, you know, to be our source of points. But um, and it comes to a point where we look we look for her first rather than our own offense. Um, so I think just developing a mindset of like being aggressive on the offensive end and you know, a scorer's mentality and just taking it, taking your opportunities when it's there. Sometimes we just pass open what way too many open shots um, when it, it could be ours. So just, yeah, developing that mindset of being aggressive on the offensive end. Well, Sierra, you're lucky you just got to uh, see a live recording of one of those new progressive commercials that warns people against becoming like their parents. Uh, that was Bill Wagner saying J money, um, <laughs> something we never want to hear again. Just come on, Wags. Yeah, like don't turn into your parents. You're right, John. I apologize. <laughs> Sorry about it. Well, Sierra, I'll, I'll tell you, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just unbelievably proud of you and in, in what you've had to deal with, particularly with COVID during the substantive years of your career. As we go out, tell me what your experience in the physical mission, your experience in a D1 sport, your experience being the captain of a D1 team, how that will make you a better surface warfare officer and beyond surface warfare for the rest of your career? Yeah, so I think um, this year especially has been pretty busy just, you know, with all the different obligations, um, you know, that come with being a captain and then, you know, on top of, you know, varsity athlete. And um, I think... I've been able to deal with stress, you know, and uh, anxiety pretty well. Uh, things things tend to get overwhelming, and there are times where I, like, feel like I don't know what to do or I mentally just go into a funk, but I always find a way to bring myself back and regroup and, you know, move on and move forward with things. So, um, you know, going into the fleet, you're going to have a bunch of different responsibilities and obligations, too. So, I think this is just great preparation for, you know, when I do get to my first division. Yep. The lessons on the field are most definitely applicable out in the fleet. And we wish you luck there. Uh, we wish you luck. Number one on Saturday, another call for people to get out of their houses, get a mask on and get to alumni hall and watch us beat army twice on Saturday. But Sierra, you got home late last night from Lehigh after a tough loss. You're up this morning, making time to talk to us. We thank you so much. We wish you luck, and we look forward to seeing you on February 3rd as you pick your ship. Yes, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Captain Sierra Hurtalendi of Navy Women's Basketball. What a great pod. When we come back from the break, we're going to take it out. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, folks, before we take it out, one more plug for Army-Navy basketball on Saturday, this weekend at Alumni Hall. The women's game starts at 11 a.m. The men's game starts at 1.30. Tickets are 20 bucks and available on NavySports.com. Get out there and watch this important rivalry game. Cheer the mids on to victory and help them sing second. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, everybody. We are back. Uh, this has been a fantastic pod. Good conversation right there with Sierra Hurtalendi um, about what she expects against Army. Really revealing conversation with Tim Taylor. Um, and always great to hear from Matt Nasita, although he's a Chelsea fan and it's horrible. But what, what a great young man uh, ready to take his talents, not to South Beach, but to, uh, but to New York. And, and obviously, we'll see what the process does. There's one thing for sure, Chris Cervello. 
that whatever the process yields and and whatever plays out in that process in the press, Matt Nosita is going to do the right thing. You can just tell that he knows what's important. He knows what he signed. He knows what his obligation is. He knows that he's got to respectfully request um, you know, this exemption or this allowance into the DOD policy and whatever that announcement is, he'll either be a Marine Corps officer or a professional soccer player. I think that's exactly what we want out of these guys as they approach this decision point, right? I agree, John. And, you know, I mean, my thinking on this has evolved over the 25 or so years that I've been associated with the Naval Academy since coming in as a plebe and, you know, now as an old retired guy. Um, we want these types of athletes to come to the Naval Academy. We want them to come to the Naval Academy so that they hopefully are Navy and Marine Corps officers and they make their classmates and then they make their shipmates better in the fleet. And then, you know, the 1% or so that, that have a chance to go pro, even if we lose them from a service standpoint, their leadership, they're making their teammates better. I mean, it, it, it's, it's such a great uh, gift to the Naval Academy and to the Naval Service that folks need to get on board with this. Um, that this is, you know, you heard Coach Taylor talk about Jen Coleman potentially, you know, having a look to go pro. Um, I mean, th- this is where we want our, our folks to be. We need these athletes in the fleet um, and we need these superstars to be re- recruiting spokespeople uh, and to continue to make our teams better. Yeah. And Wags, I'll kick it to you for, for your perspective on this. But, you know, this is why we do this podcast, right? We're talking about at the very nascent stages, Chris, of being able to contextualize how special these athletes are um, in order for people to understand them beyond what they see in a box score, beyond what they hear on CBS, beyond all of these things, so that people like Carlos Del Toro can make more informed decisions based on the wealth of information out there. And I think you've seen that just in two interviews with Matt Nosita. I know much more about how well that kid is going to do both in the Marine Corps and in Major League Soccer than I ever would before. Wags? Well, John, in my 20 plus years of covering the Navy, Naval Academy and Navy athletics, the policies reflected toward pro sports participation has just changed dramatically within, you know, administrations. Uh, every few years, it's something and it's really difficult. There needs to be one set policy that is adhered to on a permanent basis. Not, uh, stop all of this, you know, ping ponging back and forth, and and y- nobody can understand what you know. The, it gets really confusing. I think this is the best policy I've heard yet during my time covering Navy athletics. Let these athletes pursue pro sports while they're in their prime. We all know a very few and far between the service academy get the type of athletes that can play professionally. Very few. Doesn't happen often. Second, their careers don't last long. In any professional sport, it is very rare to enjoy a 10, 11-year career. Joe Cardona, the long snapper for the New England Patriots, is the rare exception of a service academy athlete who has actually enjoyed an incredibly long, successful career. Joe Greenspan, you know, he, he, the fact that Joe Greenspan had an opportunity to play professional soccer probably was a big reason why Matt Nosita came all the way from California to the Naval Academy. 
Joe Greenspan was an example to Matt Nosita that he could follow his dreams on both levels and be an officer and also possibly play, play pro soccer if he's good enough. Matt Nosita, if he's allowed to play, will have a, a career with the Red Bulls. It may last two years. It may last six. But he will serve after his career is over. That's why this policy, to me, makes the most sense. Because the number one thing that the old grads get angry about is your education's been paid for by the government, by the taxpayers of the United States, and you should serve. And that's why I like this policy. Cameron Kinley got his shot to try out with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He didn't make it. It didn't work out. Guess what? He was recommissioned as an officer, and he is now serving. The, the, it, to me, it's the best of both worlds. These athletes get a chance to pursue pro sports while they're in their prime and actually have a chance to do something as opposed to what's happened in the past. Delay, delay, delay. Poor Mitch Harris, the pitcher from the baseball pitcher from the Naval Academy, who he had to serve the full five years before he got a chance. He, and he was good. He was legit. He made the major leagues at the age of 27. What would, how would things have been different if Mitch Harris had been allowed to play directly after graduating from the Naval Academy? He might have had Billy a much Hurley, more... for that matter. Well, that's true. I mean, Billy Hurley served... Uh, did he serve the full five or did he serve two or three? No, the full five. And while on Chung Hoon, he applied for the early out. And because it was at the height of OIF, OEF, they denied him and he did the full commitment. Well, lastly, I'll say that the value to the service academies of having professional athletes is immeasurable. I mean, David Robinson for a long lengthy career in the NBA was referred to as the Admiral. And it was always talked about that he was a Naval Academy guy. And that's across the board. Joe Cardona still puts on a uniform and represents the Navy. The New England Patriots use Joe Cardona every time there's Veterans Day, Memorial Day. He is the spokesperson and example he speaks to the team i mean joe cardona represents the naval academy with distinction so i don't see what the downside is to allowing these guys to pursue pro sports so i wish matt nocita the best and i hope that diego fago we're having the same conversation with him after he's uh, been taken in the nfl draft yeah it, it certainly seems to be I remember it being when Cardona and Swain and Keenan were dabbling with the pro thing. It had been several years since we had to like deal with that. I, it was my, I think my second or third year as the PAO. And we really had to go back and like dust stuff off uh, to have this conversation again about someone entertaining thoughts of going pro. And now it seems in a good way. And I think this is good that you're having this conversation almost every year about myriad sports in this particular case, soccer, uh, baseball with Noah song a couple of years ago, uh, baseball going forward. You've always, you've got the deepest possibility of getting drafted in baseball as opposed to every other sport. They're like 34 rounds in the baseball draft. And trust me, the Orioles could use anyone. So um, Orioles front office, Mike Elias, Go ahead and draft some Naval Academy players. Anything would help. But seriously, I, I think this is good that we're having this conversation. For Matt Nosita, he's 22 years old. In the English Premier League, that's like being 30. 
Uh, he's got about eight years to make a good career as a six point foot eight center back. He could definitely play into his early thirties. Tim Ream right now, the one I referenced while talking to him, he's 34 years old as a big center back. And he's basically at the twilight. Um, that's what Matt Nosita can look at and, and whether he comes back and serves the Marine Corps as a civilian or whatever. Um, afterwards, if he's able to play 10 years on a stage that's growing as fast as the world soccer stage is growing, then I think we're the benefactors. So awesome conversation there. Awesome conversation about women's basketball. Again, please come out 11 a.m. Um, on Saturday to watch the women play West Point. Right after that will be the men's game. Uh, many thanks to WAGS, to Chris, to our guests, to NAAA, to our sponsors, particularly Red Red Wine Bar and Dry D5 located in Main Street, Annapolis. Are you coming to town for the doubleheader on Saturday? If so, why don't you stop by Dry D5 or Red Red Wine Bar afterwards to celebrate two singing second evolutions. Have a Dry D5 burger or a glass of Cabernet or both. Let's make some bad decisions. Dry D5 and Red Red Wine Bar in downtown Annapolis. For the crew, I'm John. This is Sing Second Sports. We'll see you next week. Let's beat Army on Saturday. We're out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.